0: following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. So we are in this series, New Year Same Me. We've walked through some of these big ideas of, you know, as we encounter the new year and as we think about how's this going to function, how, how do I encounter a new year and then it's just the same me, I keep doing the same things and looking at the big things that can hit us and work in our lives. And as I was prepping for this week, as I was looking towards this, this phrase kept popping into my head. And it's this phrase that you're going to see. And and in my life, it was in the movies, and then it was also a 50-50 moment in real life. In the movies, it was the hero. It was someone coming along, and they'd reach out a hand and go, do you trust me? Right? And that's where you would see it. And in fact, I like got in this moment of thinking about this as an introduction and going through it, do you trust me? And I was like, there's like one spot, where's this popping up? And so I hopped on Google, do you trust me movies? Boom. It was Aladdin. And it's like that phrase that like Aladdin jasmine starts going, ah, this Prince Ali fella might not be who he says he is, which that's on her. But it's he reaches out a hand and goes, do you trust me? And it's kind of that moment where the hero's like, can you put your faith in me? But the 50-50 in real life is I remember being in moments as a brother, as a friend, going, do you trust me? And that 50-50 was, is it going to go well or is it going to end in the ER? Right? Because you got that 50, do you trust me? And then you did something very foolish. Right? Do you trust? trust me. Can, can you put that faith in me? And thinking about that, John Zock, who used to be here with us, who helped us plant narrative, who's now on his pastoral internship, his vicarage, he used to do something with his wife, Ashley, that always made me laugh, which was he would randomly trust fall, which is just the most comedic thing ever because he's just walking through the living room and he walks past her and you just go, trust fall, and he would just start going down. Now, if you've ever met John, John's about six foot. Ashley, not so much. And what was always enjoyable is John completely trusted her. He sold out to the bit. He was going down, injury or nothing. He locked his knees. He was on the way. And what was always so great is trust fall. And then you see him just silently smirking. And Ashley just makes this noise that like, only happened during the trust fall, which was, John! And it was this moment of her trying to reorient herself to catch him, but that pure trust of, trust fall, and there it was. And this morning, we're going to spend some time, we read these verses in our scripture reading that pull out this idea of anxiety. of what do we do when we're anxious? And I actually wanna kind of flip that around and say, is it more about anxiety or is it about Jesus looking at us and saying, do you trust me? Do you trust that I am good enough? Do you trust that I will fulfill my promises? And so we see him say in Matthew 6, 33 these words but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble and these are Jesus's own words let's read verse 34 together therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, this is such, I mean, this is a often quoted piece of scripture. And it's Jesus saying this, do not be anxious about tomorrow. There's an old theologian who I have his set of commentaries. And so as I was reading through this scripture, praying, I pulled it out. His name is R.C.H. Lensky. And Lensky says this. Now he's, he's writing in like the 40s, so morrow tomorrow, You're all smart, you get it. If the morrow is to do the worrying, we are free. And as the morrow is always in the future and the future beyond us, our worries are also to be beyond our reach. No, the morrow is never here. It does not exist today. If then the morrow is to do the worrying, no worrying will ever be done. And that... Is what Jesus desires. I want us to think about that for a second because that hit me in the face. That as Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. And what Lenski says here is that morrow is never gonna come. It's never gonna be here. And so what Jesus is desiring for us is to realize that if our worries only exist in this strange future, then why are we worried? And Jesus puts, he says this in the midst of the the verse here in Matthew. If you go back a little bit in the chapter, you're going to find him teaching the Lord's prayer. And in the Lord's prayer, he teaches his followers to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So he's pointing back and he's saying, listen, you need to trust me enough that what you're going to put in your mouth, I'm going to give to you that your daily needs are a gift from me. So as you pray, pray, give us today our daily bread, the things that we need. But he understands just a couple verses later, he comes back around and says, stop, don't be anxious. Don't do it. Tomorrow has enough worry for itself. So it becomes... A simple question. Do you trust him? Do you trust Jesus enough with those worries, with those fears, with all of those things? And I think we all need to be honest and say the answer more often than not is no. I don't trust him with those things. Because that's where our anxiety comes from. As we look and we say, if Jesus is asking us, do you trust me? Don't have anxiety, trust me instead. And then he says, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. I think that has to be our answer. So we worry, we struggle, we're lost. And instead of seeking the kingdom, we end up trying to build a fantasy land around our apprehension about tomorrow. So instead of when he says, seek the kingdom and everything else will be added, we start saying, but Jesus, you don't understand. And then we fill in our fears. We fill in our anxieties. We fill those things in. And when he asks, do you trust me? We give him a list of why we can't. Lord, I would trust you, but you don't understand. I've got this thing for work. And you just don't, you, it's, I have to worry about it, I have to focus on it. Lord, I wanna trust you, but I'm struggling with with this thing with my kids. And and you just don't get it. Lord, I would trust you, but you don't understand how school's going right now. You don't understand the relationships I'm in. You don't, and, and it's just, I just can't let go of those things. And so we keep coming back. So then what do we do with our anxiety? Because if our anxiety is saying, we don't trust you, Jesus, then how do we have to look at ourselves and do this? And I was brought back to a moment my senior year in Greek at Concordia, Texas. I remember the room, and we all sat down. And we'd all had a Greek exam that day. And let me tell you, Greek is the stupidest language ever invented. (laughs) It's as if someone were to hand you a piece of sheet music that were blank, and then said, all right, now write the music. Cool. Give me context. Help me understand. Right. Just feel it out. Now I have friends that get it. Like they look at Greek and they go, oh yeah, it's a beautiful masterpiece. They're wrong, but they love it. (laughs) But we sat in this class and listen, this like Greek was a push through for me. I had to stay. I had to work. But I had a friend that was sitting just a couple seats over dejected because he had gotten a C on his Greek exam. And what this was, this class we were sitting in was called um, pre-seminary. So it was prep for going to seminary. And as we're sitting there and this guy's dejected, well, they would send seminary profs down so we could get to know them and they'd recruit for their school. And this guy that came in this day, his name was Dr. Gibbs. And Dr. Gibbs is like one of the guys, right? Like he writes commentaries. He's like, and he's just so smart, so engaging. And he walks in and immediately notices there's something wrong with this guy. And he walks over, he goes, hey, what's wrong? And the guy's kind of honing and humming because you don't want to tell Dr. Gibbs that you just got to see on your Greek exam when you're getting ready to go to seminary. That's something you want to keep hidden and hope they don't ever find out. But he keeps pushing. And so finally this guy goes, listen, I, I got to see on a Greek exam. And you watched Gibbs' face change. And he goes, yeah, that's tough. Because you know who gets C's on Greek exams? Pastors! And it was this moment where you watched this guy in the front row, his face changed. Because in that one moment, what Dr. Gibbs did with a joke and his body language was to remind him, listen, this fear you're feeling, this anxiety you're in, all of us are there. The people who get C's are the people you want to be. This goal is not derailed because of this one C. He gave this moment of the gospel in a joke. of looking and saying, we are all here with you. Those who have gone before you and those who come after you. I'll never tell you if I got a C in seminary and it definitely wasn't one a semester. (laughs) But what happens is what anxiety does and the lie we believe is we start to isolate ourselves and we start saying, well, Jesus is asking me, do I trust him? And I say, no, and how terrible am I? And so then we start separating and pulling back. And listen, I built that front end of the sermon for you to feel the weight of Jesus saying, do you trust me? Because now I want you to feel the lift of saying, we all have been in this place. Anxiety is not something that is limited to a certain group of people. We have all experienced it. We have all sat in a hospital room asking the question. We have all sat in a test wondering if we're smart enough. We have all had that one relationship falling apart, going, Lord, how and why, and all of those things. And we get so caught up and we go, do you trust me? And here is the good news. Jesus died when you didn't trust him. So do you think he's gonna abandon you now? He didn't die for this moment of like your ultimate Christian moment where you stood on a hill and said, I told 50 people about Jesus today. And Jesus said, finally, at 49, you were cut off. But at 50, you're in, baby. No, like Jesus looked and said, I'm here on your worst day. I'm here when the answer to that question is, Lord, I don't know how to trust you. So how do we answer when he says, do you trust me? I think we have to look back and say, Lord, I don't. Because he already knows the answer. He already knows the outcome. So instead of trying to build a veil in these moments of anxiety of saying, yeah, Lord, I trust you. And then we like curl up into a ball like he doesn't see that happening. What if instead we walked into it with honesty and said, Lord, in this moment, I don't know how. I love in the book of Mark, there's a father whose son is possessed by demons and he has tried everything and he's at his wits end and Jesus goes, if only you believed and the father without hesitation looks and he says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief and that is the answer to anxiety. It's not that you don't feel it. It's not that it's not there. It's admitting and then saying, Lord, I do help me. Help me. Because flipping our anxiety is not about our strength, but it's instead realizing the one who is strong. Philippians 4, Paul writes to the church in Philippi, and he says it like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You want a battle plan for when anxiety hits? Here it is. Step one, rejoice. Which seems so counterintuitive because I say that, because I've been there, because I have a mom who understands this verse, and she would always be like, you need to rejoice, and I'd be like, sounds like a terrible idea. I really would prefer to wallow in my own pity right now. But Paul gives us a battle plan. First, rejoice. Return to the things that God has given you. Second, let your reasonableness be known. And I always thought this was funny. Because I was like, usually this is in the midst of like a witnessing moment where Paul will write and say like, listen, let, let everyone know how like reasonable you are and, and, and connect with people like that. And so I always kind of connected it to that. And then I realized this week, when you're full of anxiety, how do you react to other people? Because I'll tell you, I get real loud and I start yelling at inanimate objects. I can whip a baseball cap at a pillow at about a million miles an hour. My reasonableness, out the door. But if I'm rejoicing, if I'm trusting, that anxiety doesn't have to affect. And I can let my reasonableness be known. And what that's saying is like, can these things hit you? Can the waves come? And can you remain in that place? Next with prayer and supplication. This was another one. Both my parents, you should pray about that. Cool. Sounds great. Hanging on the wall in our house, um, my dad sent it to me on a note card years ago. There's there's this old devotional by a guy named John Bailey. And dad has read this devotional as part of his um, devotional life. I mean, every couple years, he goes back to John Bailey. And there's this quote that hangs on a note card that he quickly wrote down and put in the mail to me at one point. And I'm gonna get it wrong because Chelsea's not here and she would know it, but let's see if I can get it. And it's um, he who he who trusts God, he who does not trust God does not ask enough. Basically to say like, listen, God is big enough for every request you have. And I'll put in the Monday update what the actual quote is because it's so good. But it's this idea and whenever I see this note card it's and we put it in a frame and we hung it up, because it goes, this, this is the God of the universe who stepped in for me. And can he be enough? So prayer and supplication and then thanksgiving. Listen, thanksgiving is the weapon God gives us to fight back. Because when we can slow down and see what he has given us, that fights the anxiousness, that fights the distrust, that fights the doubt, because we go, look at what he has done so far. Look at what he can do. So we rejoice. We be reasonable. We pray. We give thanks. And this is an incredible battle plan. But it is worthless without verse 7, which says this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but whenever I read about that peace that surpasses understanding, I go, I want that. How do I get that? But then what happens is too often I get caught up in what do I need to do? And I think the battle plan, if I do the battle plan, then I get the peace. That's what God's saying to me. He's going, listen, if you rejoice, if you are reasonable, if you show up with prayer and thanksgiving, then yeah, I'll give you that peace. But let's look at what this is really pulling apart here. And I wanna look into the Greek because I have computer programs that help me. Like, listen, I learned how to figure out Greek. So here, will guard is this word, theruo. And when you look at theruo, what it means is to guard, but also to prevent hostile invasion. And then I love this. To or keep inhabitants of a besieged city from flight. How many times when you're in that moment of anxiety, all you want to do is run away. All you want to do is be like, I'm being assailed from every side and all I want to do is run. Well, this word Theruo will guard that moment. Is he saying, listen, not only am I guarding you, not only am I keeping the hostiles out, I'm keeping you safe where you are. You don't have to run away. I am here. Now, this gets even better as we look a little bit deeper because this word in its use here is in the future active indicative and you're all like sweet English class why I came to church today but listen I agree with you but this hit me so hard as I was prepping this week because this word in the future active indicative does this in the future it means all your anxieties will guard that's what he is saying here is he's saying it is going to guard now and forevermore that active role, that means the doer of this is the peace of God. The peace of God will do this. It will guard you. And the indicative, I love this. It's just a statement of fact. So why did I dive into that today? Because that anxiety that you have now or may have in the future, this peace is actively guarding against it. And Jesus goes, point. That's it. This is fact that what you receive through the peace of Christ is this. It is going to guard you now and forevermore. And when you think, if only I could do these couple of things, no, 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 no. The peace of Christ is a gift to you through your baptism. You don't have to go looking for it. You already have it. And it is actively working. You see that peace is already there. The lie, the anxiety is trying to distract you from the fact that Jesus is standing there saying, I am here. And in fact, he's not asking, do you trust me? That's not what's going on. What Jesus is doing is he's stepping in in a promise and he's saying, trust me. He's not asking a question. He's telling you, trust me. And then he backs it up. Not someday in the future, right now. He proved it at the cross. He proved it at the empty grave. And he'll prove it again and again. And again, now the problem I think that happens in Christian culture is we look at this then as a solution and we go, oh, once I get it once, it was the anecdote and now, anecdote, antidote, and now it's done. I've got it, I'll never have to worry about this again. The problem is two weeks from now, your car's gonna break down and you don't know how you're gonna have to pay for this one extra expense or someone you love is gonna get sick or something's gonna go wrong at work or something's gonna fall apart and you're gonna be like, no, 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 Jesus, we dealt with the anxiety. You gave me the antidote. But the problem is that human life keeps happening in a fallen world. So what Jesus says is not trust me. He says, keep trusting me. Because the question, do you trust me? our response will always be, Lord, as much as we can. Help my unbelief. Because listen, what I don't want to do is take your anxiety and trivialize it. I understand that anxiety can be on a spectrum. I understand that anxiety can come from many different things. And that in a fallen world, it can even come from chemical imbalances and struggles we're having and all of those things. And what I don't want to do is say, yeah, all you got to do, rejoice, pray, you're good, pastor's done, I solved it. That's not what we're doing. What I'm saying is the worst thing ever, which is anxiety is not going to end. And maybe I should rephrase that. The things that cause anxiety are not going to end. That's a promise from Jesus. You can take it up with him. He looks at his disciples and he says, In this world, you will have trouble. It really stinks when Jesus' promises are like the bad kind. In this world, you will have trouble. But you know how that verse ends? But take heart, for I have overcome the world. We are not going to solve anxiety today. We're not going to solve it tomorrow. It won't be solved until the trumpets are blown and the king returns and there's a new heaven and new earth. But Jesus is with you and he is saying, trust me. That when you start feeling that anxiety, when you start walking into those places, he says, trust me see, if we can start and say, in that moment of anxiety, in whatever we're struggling with, in whatever's going on, if we can look and we can say, Lord, instead of starting with me, and how do I solve it? What if I start with saying, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And he goes, good. Now I've got a list of things for you to try. Rejoice, because I'll never abandon you. rejoice in me i say it again rejoice find joy don't let your anxiety become something that tears down relationship between others be reasonable you don't have a reason to be reasonable but i'm here come in prayer I learned a huge moment in prayer this week. Sitting with Pastor Mark, who's a church planner in the area. He's going to be preaching next week. Be here. It's going to be great. I'm going to give a moment on that. But this is something I'm going to add in this week because prayer is such an interesting thing. Mark and I were working on a foolish little project together. And as we were doing something, he goes, let's stop and pray. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's pray. Like, Jesus really cares about this. It was just something fun the two of us were doing. And about 15 hours later, I realized, if God calls me friend, he says he is my father, how many times did my dad help me with something that was foolish and small? How many times did he step in to help? How many times did my mom, if I asked her a question, would she go, yeah, that's dumb. No. God is inviting us into this place where he says, nothing is too small. Are there bigger things in the world? Yes, but I have the capacity to care about the smallest things in your life that may seem foolish. So this prayer piece is a linchpin. Because God wants to hear from you. He wants you to know that he's listening. Even in those little moments. Even if you think the anxiety is too small, he wants to be a part of it. And then finally, give thanks. Look at the things that God has given you. And we work that plan. Because Jesus doesn't ask, do you trust me? He says, trust me. And watch what I can do for you. Anxiety is not going to disappear. It's not going to be gone. You're going to encounter it again and again. And when you get over one anxiety, it may feel like within a day, an hour, a moment, another one comes along. So return to trusting in Jesus again and again and again because he is good for his promises. Let's pray. Lord, you know us as your people. Whether the anxiety is something small or it feels like a mountain, let us put away the idea that somehow it is about us trusting more, but instead learning that you are already here. That it's not the question of do we trust, but instead it is the promise of, where you say you are good to be trusted. Lord, may we return to you again and again and again. May our joy be in the fact that you fulfill your promises. Lord, I pray for all of us in this room, for those watching online, for those connected to narrative. As we encounter anxieties in our life, Show us your peace that passes understanding, that is guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We pray this on your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.